Welcome to the Cruising and Campfires podcast. I'm your host, Kimberly Crossland, a non-outdoorsy but wildly camping-obsessed mom. I created this podcast as a way to connect with other camping-loving families just like ours who might not always feel the most equipped for that hardcore adventuring you often see. It's here that I share my personal experiences, my personal lessons learned, and also interview other travelers who have exciting stories to tell. Let's dive in. This episode is sponsored by Cruisin' and Campfires. Cruisin' and Campfires is a company designed to make family travel easier. So whether you're on the road and looking for a way to avoid meltdowns in the car, or you're at the campsite and just want to have some boredom busters to keep your kids entertained so you can finally sit back and relax and and actually enjoy a cup of hot coffee, this company is for you. I'm a fellow mom, I created it, and I know what works to keep kids entertained while they're camping. Head to cruisingandcampfires.com and enter in your email address to get 10% off your first order. On the podcast today, I have Shannon Kenny Carbonell. Shannon is the author of a new book called All Is Not Lost. She's also a former working actress and the wife of actor Nestor Carbonell, who you might know from Lost, Bates Motel, or The Morning Show. In her new book, she talks about attempting to reconcile her growing feelings of failure and her sudden loss of identity. This is a no-holds-barred, honesty, heartbreak, and humor-filled book, and it's undoubtedly going to resonate with you as a woman, as a mother, or anybody who's ever struggled to find their own way. I wanted to bring her on the Cruising and Campfires show, not to talk about camping necessarily, but to talk about the experiences that we have while we're camping, and to talk about the feelings that come up as moms and in our motherhood journey. When we talk about seeking adventure, really, we talk about opening ourselves up to new opportunity and to living a life that we might not have thought of for ourselves about 10 years ago and how those changes are all okay. Shannon was absolutely such a gem to talk to. Now I think she wants to go camping and so I'm hoping that I'm going to be able to go camping with her because I would love to have hours long conversations with her around the campfire. She is so delightful. I know that you're going to get a lot out of this conversation and so let's dive right in. Shannon, thank you so much for joining. I'm really, really looking forward to having this conversation with you. Oh, you're so welcome, Kimberly. Thanks for having me on. Yes, absolutely. So you wrote the book, and I have it sitting right next to me, All Is Not Lost, How I Friended Failure on the Island and Found a Way Home, which is such a beautiful title. I'd love to hear a little bit more about the backstory of this book. Why did you want to write this book? Well, I wrote it, we spent a year in Hawaii, my husband was shooting the television show Lost, and he's an actor. And before we left, I had, I was an actress too, that's how we met. And I had left acting in order to become a full-time mom to my kids. And I almost, almost immediately upon doing that, I wanted to do it. And I felt very secure in my decision to do that, become a full-time mom. But almost upon doing it, I was surprised to find that I immediately felt a very big void and my ego and my ambition came in very quickly. And I felt that I was fighting that while being a mom, feeling a lot of guilt about not being quite reconciled with the decision I made. And really, I had a very quick 
um, loss of my self-identity. So I had been a few years before we moved to Hawaii feeling quite lost, actually. And, um, you know, and feeling all the guilt that comes with that. Really, really finding mothering fulfilling, but having a quite a big void inside of me wondering what was wrong with me. Why do I feel this way? I made this decision. I wanted to make it. Do, I love being with my boys. Why isn't that enough? And also feeling quite quite guilty about some sort of privilege I had to, to be a stay-at-home mom, knowing a lot of moms can't do that. So I felt, I felt very lost and not quite one with myself while we were going to move. And we did move. And I said to my husband, I'm, well, I'm, you know, this is going to be interesting. And we went to Hawaii and it was a pretty amazing year, a year full of, I mean, there were not all ups. There were some pretty bad downs, kind of almost like a rock bottom for me. But in that year, we, I just found people. I found the land itself. I found just kind of like a whole lot of signs that kept pointing me in the right direction. And this sort of this, this real coming home to myself that I didn't, I almost didn't realize was happening until I kind of got home. And I realized I'd really made a big journey into who I really was. And I journaled the whole time while we were there. And I sort of was uh, lucky enough to go back over those journals. And I thought, I can write about this. And I did. And it became a book. And uh, it was like a book about a journey home. And I, I thought, this is going to apply to a lot of women, I think. So I made sure to make the book not sort of just about me. I didn't want to write a narcissistic tale about my life. So I sort of made it a book, hopefully for a, for a lot of people who have been lost and found themselves, but also a ton of moms, right, who find yeah. themselves in that position. Oh, I love that. And I, you know, this podcast is all about seeking adventure and and getting out and exploring. And boy, did you do that because- Oh, yeah. <laughs> You really did. And I love how you talk about, you found other people, of course, which is a big thing that happens when you're camping too. You make friends and you meet people good and bad and mostly good. But of course, there's always, you know, like you said, there's some, some ups and downs, but you also found the land. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about what you mean when you say that you found the land. Well, it's so interesting. Hawaii has a lot of history behind it. And there's definitely a history with the people. And I, I felt like I wasn't there long enough to really glean or learn about that in depth, about the locals. And like my country, it was discovered by Captain Cook. And that was, that was, that's a dark history. But so I, I, my book is not about that. So I don't go into that too much. But with the land itself, it is a, a land of, it's sort of, a, I found it like a very deep kind of spiritual place. And just for me, I found it very familiar. I don't know why. I felt very at home there. I'd been to Hawaii a little bit as a kid, actually, because my dad was a travel agent and we got to travel a bit. So Hawaii and Australia, I'm from Australia and it, they're quite close. It's only 10 hours. So we, I knew Hawaii pretty well and the island of Oahu. So it was familiar. And maybe because I grew up on a beach in Australia, the being on a beach felt like home. But there was something else about Hawaii. It is, 
it's it's living in a tropical place I think um for some reason to me and I am not I don't have the skin to live in a tropical place and it just felt right to me I adapted really well to that environment but I often when we were out exploring in Hawaii I really felt stuff uh, just being there and it's I mean I guess it, it's spiritual it feels like a very grounded place and I think you see that with the locals and the and everybody who lives there I don't know that land there's something special about it and I found it in the people too I found the people very grounded and I found that there was not a lot of a lot of nonsense going on but a lot of fun I just felt it was it was a deep place and it's so beautiful yeah yeah I love how you talk about grounded and being grounded because that's something I talk about a lot too and we're there's actually, there's something very physical about grounding your feet on the earth. And there's a physical effect that happens when you do that. And it lowers cortisol levels and that's the stress, which is something that comes up a lot. But I also love how, how you talk about surrounding yourself with the people who are also grounded. And so you talk about this in the book, and I know that you just said that it's very important to you, but can you speak a little bit more to the importance of having those other women around you for support when you are a mom? It is everything. And and I had it in LA and I still have it. I mean, the my friends in LA are like family to me. And I actually thought I would go to Hawaii and I, I kind of had this image of myself of like sitting on a hill by myself. I'm gonna figure this out, why I am feeling this this discontent and this big hole in my chest. I'm gonna be very solitary and figure it out. That did not happen at all. I I immediately found these women and I mean really I guess I guess they brought me in and it was like a web you know I, it was my my older son he met a friend very quickly first day of school and they declared that they were going to be roommates when they they got older and blah 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 and his mom called me immediately and she was incredible she actually was mostly alone the year I knew her because her husband had been deployed to Afghanistan. Oh, wow. And yeah, and I marveled at her most of that year because she was so upbeat. She was so, so, she had so much grace in mothering her children. And sometimes I looked at her and I thought, this woman's husband is in the most dangerous place in the world right now. And he was a head and neck surgeon, actually. And he was going out into the field and and taking in our soldiers and the injured Taliban and fixing them in a surgery that was really dangerous from what he was telling us too. There were guns everywhere. And, and she just showed grace and good humor and and welcomed me and made it a point to, to introduce me to then her friends. And each and every one of them just spent time with me, took me out to lunches so we got to know each other. And then it was just effortless. And and every one of those women had a great perspective on the world. Some were military. And I think that just automatically gives you a great perspective. You know, they all had their husbands deployed. It was like nothing could rock them, you know. Yeah. But others were, you know, I met a, a I met a, my friend Rika and she told me about her life and she had She'd been a nanny and um, for a widow or no widower. Yes. Yes. Anyway, um, she'd eventually fallen in love with him and they had married only to find out that he had cancer. 
Oh and goodness. she had nursed him to his death. And um, I guess in America, you don't say nursed. She had sat by, I, what do you say when you sit, you know, she had. She I, had, I think you can say nurse. I know what you mean. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know the right term for it. <laughs> I know. I've said that so many times. We were like, nursed? <laughs> um, anyway, and then then she was telling me, because she and I was like, how are you? That was in San Francisco. And I said, how are you in Hawaii? And she said then she had met her husband in Hawaii, the, her second husband. And as we were walking along, and she was, she's actually from Amsterdam. And she said to me, I don't know how in my life I have found two loves, two, two people that I love and two people that have loved me. And, and the way she said it to me was so, one of those memories that just stick in your mind, we're walking on the beach. And I, I thought to myself, I know how you have, I can see it. It was just moments like that continually and friendships like that. And I was rarely alone, but I was learning the whole way from these women. And Talk about adventures. They took me to places in Hawaii that that people wouldn't know about, tourists wouldn't know about. And yes, and they were still discovering places in Hawaii. And I must even say that two of the women in Hawaii moved to LA and they ended up discovering so much more of LA than I had ever seen. They took me downtown and showed me places in LA that I didn't know, (laughs) you know? So I I don't know, there was something about these women that embraced their surroundings and they loved being part of the world they were in and they respected it. And so they took me on different heights. They just showed me a hole in the wall restaurants and places like that. Um, They had surfing spots that they went to and, you know, rock walls that they loved. Oh, a sandbar. They took me, we would go to lunch at a sandbar while the kids were in school and military wives could take out these sort of crazy little boats, the little kind of putt-putt boats. It didn't look like any boat I'd ever seen actually. <laughs> and so we'd rush out to a sandbar for lunch. It's an amazing sandbar in the Kaneohe Bay and then rush back for pickup for the boys. We were sort of <laughs> paradise and then picking up our kids. Oh, they just, they were all amazing. And they're still my friends, good friends to this day. Oh, I love that. Well, Shannon, you're speaking and you're talking about their grace and their empathy and their desire to find adventure. And I just can't help but hear the same things about you. And I'm reading your book. And when I'm hearing you speak, you are full of grace, you're full of empathy, and you have such a spirit for finding adventure. And yet, I know that that is, it's outward facing sometimes, and we've only talked briefly, of course, but you also talked about in the very first part of our conversation uh, and in your book, of course, too, about the guilt that you experienced as well. And I think that that's so relatable. And so I'd love to have you expand on it because I know a lot of us feel that same, like to the outside, you know, there's that thing called Facebook happy or to the outside world, everyone looks like everything's perfect and rainbows and sunshine and glitter. And yet sometimes it's not. And behind the scenes, you can feel very lonesome. You can feel guilty for things and you can, you know, there's a lot of emotion that goes with motherhood. So I'd love to hear you speak a little bit more about that guilt that you felt that you experienced when you were, when, as you said, you were lucky enough to be a full-time stay-at-home mom, but still there's a lot of guilt that comes with it. So much guilt. I felt so spoiled, you know, and at the time I was feeling really, it was after I, I, I told my manager I was quitting acting and one of my best friends in Australia actually was having trouble having new babies and she was on IVF. So immediately I felt 
like such a brat. Why am I feeling all this stuff when my my best friend at home can't even have children? Yeah. So that was weighing on me. And and also the the guilt you feel towards your children, right? I'm not completely content right now. I my husband and I would laugh because my little guy always wanted to play baby cats. And it's one of those labor intensive games where you it was do you remember those calico kitties? Yes. <laughs> And it was like one of those games where you you had to pretend to be the cats. And it was like the baby cat's going to the house right now. And oh, it was just so we would all argue, even my my older son, you play baby cats. No, you play baby cats. <laughs> I feel so bad for my poor little guy. Nobody wanted to play baby cats with him. But it, that was sort of this a bit of the spirit that I felt like I was putting out that was becoming it was becoming a slog. And my kids didn't deserve that. And I I wrestled with that. You know, I think I even talk in the book about how I I made a few like really big parenting errors too. You know, we lost my little guy for a little bit of time. And I was, I'd, I and I was like, where was my head at? You know, was I beating myself up about, about feeling this way or was I, trying to figure out how to get out of this hole. And I took my mind off watching my child. And my one responsibility toward him was to know where he is, to keep him alive. And now I can't find him. That was a really, really hard moment. And I beat myself up about that. And my husband did actually for days. And that kind of guilt plagued me all the time. And I had a friend of mine who said to me, Look, the fact that you are, <laughs> that is on your mind probably means you are paying good attention to your boys. Yeah. And I think, I think I was, I think I, I gave them, you know, I think I gave them everything that I had, but I don't know. Sometimes I feel like maybe I could have given them more grace, like you said. And I do think after I came to a sort of a more whole place within myself that I was a better mom. And it just, I think there is that part of motherhood where there are a lot of, it's labor intensive. There are a lot of moments where it's sort of, there's, you know, there's not a lot going on. It's a little bit of mind numbing and you just have to do those things, right? But I was kind of shocked by that. and. I'd need, and that's when you need your, your friends, right? And um, I felt like a brat. I felt like a real brat for feeling that. Maybe I oh, was man. too, a bit of a brat, you know? But um, no, I, I understand I, that. Yeah, I don't know. I knew I just had to get over it. I knew I had to find a way around it. Yeah. And, and I totally relate. So it's funny. I, I can definitely relate. So a little solidarity here on our last camping trip, which was literally one week ago, actually today, yeah. we were sitting outside and my little man just wanted to play dinosaurs. And it's the same thing as baby cats. Like you just <laughs> talked about, it. I thought, oh, I just want to sit back. I want to read. I want to just relax. But you know, what a gift also to be able to play with him. And so I, there's that restructuring that mindset of like, okay, no, just it's okay. I, I'm not a big fan of pretend play, but I know he is. And so we'll just go with it and just and be in the moment. And it's, so much easier said than done. So much right. easier said than done. So something that I've heard from a lot of moms that they're afraid of and they worry about and they feel a lot of guilt about. And so I'm glad that you brought it up because 
when you're out camping or at home, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You're right. That our number one responsibility is our, is our children and, and to watch them and keep them safe and healthy and alive and happy. And yet it is so simple to take our mind or not our mind, but take our eyes off them for a second to go get something done. Cause we have a lot on our to-do list That's and true. it's so easy to take that step back and say, and, and, or for a moment, take that step and look down and chop up an apple or whatever it is. And we're, we're distracted for a little bit mm-hmm. and suddenly they're gone. And I think that's something we feel a lot, which is why I love your book, because it makes us feel like it is okay to be normal and to make yeah. mistakes as a mom. And it's so okay. So you talked a lot about, you know, what was difficult then I would love to hear a little bit about where you're at right now in terms of your motherhood journey. You said, so I know the kind of mother you were during those years during when you were feeling lost. And then what kind of mother do you feel like you are now? I feel like I'm like, I'm a better person. I'm a more, I'm a more full person. I found something outside of mothering that, that fills me because I was in a creative job and and I, I was in a creative job and I think I forgot about that, that, that for my whole life, really, I was, I was a creator and I, that was who I was. So just because I left that job didn't mean I should have left that part of myself. Mm-hmm. And so I'm so much better now. I just, I sort of, I needed to find that. That was a big piece that I just let go. And now that I have, it's almost like I'm a better, a better person, I'm a better wife, I'm a better mom. And I think that I don't even know if my boys would know the difference actually, but I think that I also feel like I, you know, there's a very fine line between helicopter and the kid, right? And, but I also feel like sort of in a weird way, once you come into some sort of peace with yourself, I don't know, I feel like you kind of give your kids a bit more freedom too. Like, um, maybe I am a bit less on top of them even now that I feel at one with myself. And, and that's really good for them too, because I feel that, I don't know, I, I feel a bit less needy of them in a way because I feel like I'm going to be fine. I'm my own separate person. And they, I don't need the kids to fill me as much. So I don't need their approval or for me to be the best mom. They're more autonomous than I am as well. I don't know if I'm sort of relaying that to you, right? No, I think that's really, really beautiful. And it offers a lot of inspiration and hope for me too. Cause I'm, I'm, I have a three and a five-year-old or he's about to turn five. And so they're still pretty young. Yes. (laughs) And so knowing and having that feeling, I can definitely relate to that feeling of coming home to yourself and finding that creativity and, and, and finding something. I I often will say the expression more than a mom. And I think that um, it's, it, sometimes it can sound bad because we're, I feel like we're so called on society by society to, when you're a mom, you're a mom and you better show up for your kids and be all in. And we are, of course, but that doesn't mean that we can't be, have ourselves too. And I love what you're saying. And like I said, it's so inspirational for me being still relatively young in my motherhood journey, but having that ability to, to give myself a permission slip, I guess, to be creative, just like you did and to see how much, how beautiful it can be and how I I love it. So you are definitely coming across well, and you're inspiring me with that. And I, I love that young, like you're in the, you're in the trenches and that is (laughs) very labor intensive time. And you have to sort of give yourself over to that. But so when they were, all I did 
because my husband also traveled all the time. And so I'm sort of, I'm kind of the person that I just wanted, I wanted to do it myself. And I don't even really like, we don't have a huge house or anything. So I didn't want to have somebody in the house all the time helping me. So I would just give myself an hour a day, just an hour in the beginning, just to do something creative. And, and then as they get older, that grows because they, they really don't, there is a time when they really want their independence and you have to give it to them. But if I didn't have anything else, I don't know if I could have given that to them. Right. I mean, I wonder how I would have. And I see some, some moms who have more of a helicoptery parenting style, by the way, I think kids are fine either way. I don't get into the mommy wars either because I have now seen it you know, because I have a 19 year old in college, I have seen kids that have full-time working moms, non-working moms, helicoptery moms, non-helicoptery moms. They all turn out great. I'm telling you, you know, my son's friends, they, they just have all turned out pretty well. And so I, I'm not into judgment of moms in that way because I, I, I've now seen the results as well. But so for me, my boys just became more independent. Like sometimes I would ask them, do you want me to volunteer to go on this school trip with them, you guys? And they'd be like, no, no, no way you do that. You know, you do that. I'm not even going on the trip. So I had kids like that. I was like, okay, fine. Yay. (laughs) But, you know, so maybe now when you're like really in the thick of it, give yourself an hour or something like that. But as they get older, you do get more time. And yeah, and it's great. It's great. So obviously you come from a creative background, like we've said, and specifically you've come from acting. And um, I know you said that and we already kind of covered this, but I just want to circle back around to it because I, I think that there's so much identity tied into what we choose to do as a profession. And so I'd love for, to hear a little bit more about this from you and um, specifically about what it felt like when you were, you left acting And then I read in your book how you were walking the red carpet with your husband one time to, I think you said it was the premiere of the last season of Lost and you went and you just almost, you were in tears driving up to it. Yeah. I always, uh, I mean, a lot of it had to do with the very superficial looks Mm -hmm. thing. And I have never really lost some of my baby weight. (laughs) I think I made 60 pounds with my first one. And it is a real thing. Actresses are really under pressure to be thin. And I felt that. I felt that a few times. I think I, I talk about it in the book. And, you know, I, I was told to lose weight um, as an actress. And once I wasn't an actress, it just, I mean, and I, I did not have a healthy mindset about weight because I kind of didn't care about weight. I wasn't one of the the people that was really into the gym and and was always weight was always on my mind, but I did beat myself up when I looked in the mirror. So I did not have a healthy mindset about weight and I felt I slubby on that night and I didn't want to be seen. I felt like I wasn't the the thin actress that I was before. It was completely superficial. And yet it wasn't because I had also conditioned myself as a very young person to want fame, which is so dangerous and it's Mm -hmm. so superficial, but I never told anybody. And I think I was lucky because I went to theater school and I really learned how to become an actress, but I, it was almost like I had brainwashed myself really young. 
and it was still there. I wanted, I, I had this really deep want. It was, all, and I had to decondition myself. I had to really, really dig deep and lose that part of myself that wanted to be shiny and special and look fantastic all the time. And, and I just didn't, I didn't. And at that point, I, I didn't want to be seen. And I knew Nestor would have liked me to walk that red carpet with him. He doesn't care so much about that stuff, but I knew it would have been better and I couldn't do it for him. And that was hard. I felt like I, I had a big problem because I didn't want people to see me at, you know, I was 15 pounds overweight. 15 is not even that much. And I just didn't like the way I looked and I wanted to hide. And then you have a really big problem. Somebody who deep down wants to be seen and be famous and hasn't stopped acting, but hasn't really dealt with that part of herself. And yet she wants to hide, right? I want to hide. So what do I do? I want to be invisible. And yet there's this yearning also to be special. I had a lot of work to do on myself. And my husband is always was just, he's so great. He understood that I didn't want to be that person next to him. I didn't want to do that to him. And so um, I really had to dig down deep. I almost like I had to get out of the cult (laughs) that I put myself into. And yeah, that happened on that night. I, I hid. And it was really, you know, I don't know. There's nothing great about hiding, right? Yeah. But I do understand that feeling. And I think it's relatable across the board. I mean, regardless of whether or not we've studied to be an actress and been a very successful actress or whether or not we've, you know, how I feel we've all, especially as moms, have felt that feeling of, I just want to hide for a second. And I just need to, I don't know. I don't, I, I need to figure out who I am and in order to be there for my kids. So knowing how that, how this has made you feel. And of course you, you're now, you've worked through a lot of this. And so you've not seen the, the back end. Yeah. I got to tell you, not completely. I still, well, and, yeah. I mean, and that's totally normal too. I mean, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't feel like I'm completely out the other end, especially when it comes to body image. No, I'm, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I still feel that. I guess moms all, I mean, I guess a lot of people feel that. Yeah. I don't know how to get over that completely. I don't know. <laughs> I, well, if you find out, will you tell me? Because <laughs> I, I understand and I feel it too. <laughs> but knowing that, would you, what would you tell your kids about if they had wanted to enter into fame and, and celebrity? Or is that even on their radar? It's not really on their radar, although they're both into music which is weird because Nestor and I neither of us are musical (laughs) but oh the fame thing I would have a long talk to them and say never never seek that it will never hurt help you it will only hurt you but to seek an art and to choose art as if if you are pulled to it and you have a, a a real talent for it of course you should you should and I think I, I'm, my husband's more practical, but I'm of the, I'm of the view of don't even have a fallback, just do it. Um, yeah. But you have to really distinguish the two. You really do. Because even people who are very famous, I know people who are very famous and it does, it, it, nothing good comes of it. They, they, lo- I think they love that they get to do the work, 
but I think they would trade fame away in a second for, you know, happiness with a family and someone beside them. And sometimes the amount of fame that they have really precludes that. They can't, they can't have that. That just, you, you need to be special to the ones who love you and know you and seeking sort of, you know, sort of significance from the world is, is never going to work. It just isn't. Yeah. So yeah, you've got to be careful with that stuff. That's so good. So, so good. And such great advice for us, for sure. So speaking about your family also, do you have, and in that same vein, do you have like a mantra for your family or an idea to strive for? Yes. I really do. And I never, I heard somebody else call it a mantra and I sort of grabbed that from them because without knowing it, we did, we really did. We always wanted our boys to be good and kind. That was the main thing we just sort of drummed into them, you know, just be good and be kind. And I think work hard was the other thing, but goodness and kindness. And it's so interesting now. And I wonder if it's a, it's a sign of the times, but I think they've really done well with that, mostly. You know, they're not angels at all. Yeah. But they've done pretty <laughs> no, well really with that. And no, I know, right? And <laughs> now I really feel like it's changing. And they're getting, I mean, my my older son is 19 on Friday. And my, or oh, tomorrow. And my younger guy will soon be 16. And I think the mantra is changing. And I see it changing to find the truth, tell the truth, and have the courage to do it. So it's become truth and bravery. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And I think that, yeah. And I think that's once, once, you know, we've established that they're good kids, mostly. I mean, they do mess up. And I always feel like to the minute you tell another person your kids are good, they do something really bad. (laughs) But I do think they're good. But now, yeah, truth and bravery, guys. Just, Just tell the truth to yourself. And look for it outside of yourself and then be brave enough to follow through with that. Oh, I love that. I'm going to write those words down and, <laughs> and hammer them into my boys too. Cause I think they're, it's so good and so important because if you don't have, if you're not telling the truth, you're not honest with yourself, which is exactly mm-hmm. what we were talking about before with your history and, and everything, your story that you've, you know, that you've walked. And if you're not brave and going out and saying, well, I'm going to move to Hawaii. I don't know what to expect, but I'm going to move there and I'm going to go out to lunch with this woman because I need friends. And even though I don't know what to expect, if you don't have that, you never know where it's going to lead. And so I think it's really, really important. I, think Such you, a big I don't know. Trip. I don't, I don't know you very well, but I kind of feel like you might have all that already, but <laughs> I don't know. I, <laughs> that's very generous of you to say. I appreciate that. <laughs> I don't know. Also when you're you out in the world and connected to the, you know, you love camping and stuff like that. I mean, I don't know. You don't find a whole lot of superficial people doing that. That's that's true. That's true. Although, yeah, I I think that there's a wide range. And so I've actually talked about this um, on a past podcast with one of my friends and she, and we've we've read some articles about how there's something called like the broification of being outside. And it's like, when you look at the outdoors world, it's all very hardcore and like, they're, they're going down like black diamond slopes on the skis and they're, you know, they're just going total rugged adventuring for 
30 days without any kind of cell phone service or, or seeing anybody. And that's not my kind of adventure. My kind of adventure is still having, I, we take our RV. Oh. <laughs> so I have a heater at night. I have a bed to sleep in. I don't like bugs very much. So <laughs> there's like a wide range of adventure. And I think that that's a really good thing to, to embrace and to, and to accept because it's just all about trying something new. Right. And I think that's yeah. exactly what you've done too. Yeah, but you don't have to be a masochist, right? Right. <laughs> exactly. Oh, oh, no. And I come from a place where the bugs will really kill you. <laughs> That's true. Australia is not. <laughs> no, Australia's kind of known for <laughs> some of those tired. bugs. <laughs> yeah. Well, to wrap things up, I just want to ask you, what's the biggest thing that you want people to get when they read your book, out of your book? Well, what I want them to get is, I would just love for them to, for the book to speak to them and to perhaps see themselves in the book or maybe not feel alone that like someone else has gone through what they've gone through or are going through. And well, I don't wish that on anybody either, but right. I don't know. I just feel like we've got to tell each other our stories. So I feel like maybe I could also inspire somebody to write their story because I want to read it. I just feel like we should all be sharing this stuff with each other. And I think, or just maybe even just have a great fun read. And, but ultimately I just sort of want us all to connect and just know that I think we're all going through this in, a, you know, we all, I mean, whose life turns out the way they want it to not, not a whole lot of people. Yeah. So I think I just want them to know they're not alone to compare and maybe, maybe pass it on, you know, to other people with their words, you know, tell their story or share or write their story. Even I don't, you know, I think everyone has a story. It's so hard to know. I don't know that question. I, don't know. <laughs> I think that you answered Just it perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love, I love how you say that you want others to know that they're not alone. And just like you said, that all is not lost as the title of your book. Oh. Yeah, I there mean, you it's... go. You, that's it. You got it. <laughs> you know more than me. Yeah. All is no, not you like said me. it. You said it. <laughs> it's not. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. And I love that you were willing to come on and share it with us. I do think it's very generous of you to put your story out into the world and tell it and offer it because it absolutely does inspire me to, to be a better mom and to, and also makes me feel like I'm not alone. So if you've definitely touched one person over here, and I know that your words are going to touch more people because they're just, they're so, so good. And I'm really grateful that you came on so we could have this conversation and I cannot wait for others to hear it too. Cause I know you're going to just lift people up with, with your story. So thank you for sharing it. Thanks for saying that to me. It means a lot. I really, I mean, means everything. Thank you so much. Well, I don't say it half-heartedly. I say it wholeheartedly. No, I believe you. And, and that's really special. Thank you. Good. Well, Shannon, where can we find you online? I'm going to link to the book, obviously, but where else yeah. can we find you online? On Instagram, I'm new Shannon, J-K-C. And, and my website is Shannon with a double N, KennyCarbonell.com. And there's a lot of really fun things on the website, actually. There's a little tiny little movie that the boys made when they were so little in Hawaii called Miniature Lost. And there's I some great, yeah there's, yeah, there's some great cameos by Lost cast members. 
Oh, that's so cute. It's really, really cute. You do have yeah. a really good website. I have, I've looked and I encourage everyone else to look too, because it is really fun to kind of yeah. go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> so really, I have a newsletter too, that I want them to put up on the site. And it's a really interesting, fun newsletter because it's all about being 22. I do write about it in my book. And it's about how much 22 year old girls are willing to share with boys or men. And it's an interesting look back at how much of ourselves at that age we thought was too much for men. And I don't know, I, I wrote it as my first newsletter because a whole bunch of things seem to sort of merge together. And it's got to do with Lord, the singer, and um, girl from Euphoria, Hunter Schaefer, who's actually brilliant and a little part of my book. And it's a kind of a great look back for women when they were 22. Oh, I love that. So definitely yeah. go sign up for that too, because that's all, yeah. all sounds very beautiful and all sounds really, really inspiring. So, so many yeah. different ways that we can connect with you. And I'm yeah. so happy that we have those. So thank you. Thank you so much again. Thank you. Thank you. Isn't she so fun to listen to and so fun to talk to and absolutely one of the most inspiring women I've ever met. She is I love the way she talks about her story, her family, and just so transparent about her motherhood journey. And I really wanted to bring her on because when I talk about seeking adventure, it's not just about going outside and maybe picking up a bug that you've never wanted to touch before. It is so much more than that. An adventure starts inside of us. And it, if we're not open to receiving that adventurous spirit and to meeting people or going to have a picnic on a sandbar, then we're going to miss out on so much in life. And so I hope that you feel inspired after listening to her. I know I sure do. I would love, love to hear your takeaways. And if you can take a screenshot of you holding her book and tag both of us, we would love to see. I'd love to give you a high five for buying it because I know it's going to be the perfect campsite read. It's going to be the perfect read at home, wherever you are. Absolutely go out, get your copy because I have no doubt you're going to feel so inspired. Until next time.